Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelions.com. I'm your host, Nate Weitzer, joined here by Midwest Mo, filling in for Josh Lander, who is flying across the great pond here to Europe for a little vacation. He will be back, though, later this week, and we will continue to bring you videos Two game videos, one player props video every single weekday of this regular season. Like and subscribe to the YouTube page so you don't miss any of our picks, hitting them at a pretty consistent rate, at least 60% here for the game videos, and the player props are much higher right now early in the season. We're looking at a huge Wednesday slate here, Mo, and I'll just run through the lines real quick so we know what we're picking from. We got Wiz plus 7 at the Sixers, the Celtics minus 2 at the Cavs, Hornets plus 5.5 at the Bulls, the other game we break down here is Hawks plus two at Knicks. The Kings are plus six at the Heat. Pistons plus 11 at Bucks. Clips minus six at the Rockets. Raptors minus six at Spurs. Jazz plus six at Mavs. The Grizz minus four and a half at the Blazers. And then we get to the nightcap, which we're going to discuss here. Pelicans are minus three at the Lakers. Brandon Ingram is out with a concussion. Herb Jones, Zion, both probable to play here both teams have been off since sunday when the lakers got their first win of the season and celebrated like they won the championship full champagne baths in the locker room um i mean they finally got some positive regression in terms of their shooting i guess you could say if you're looking at it from a straight analytical perspective yeah i mean lonnie walker austin reeves combined to go five for nine from deep get 28 points russ actually goes two for four from three actually has a team high plus 18 uh, with 18, 8, and 8 off the bench. So maybe settling into a consistent role where he can actually contribute here. But <clears throat> I I mean, if you're looking at it from not necessarily analytics, but from a human perspective, I mean, that's this is a huge win for the Lakers in terms of finding some, some joy in terms of basketball. There was energy in the building. There was a chance that they might be able to pull out of this nosedive here. But I, I think if you want to play – Lakers positive regression then the over is your best bet here so you're gonna have to score to keep pace with the Pelicans I mean they average a league high 118 and a half their pace has slowed down lately but they're still third in efficiency Lakers are the fastest paced team pretty pretty far uh, at least two possessions faster than the Warriors who are second but they're dead last in offensive rating um, I still lean towards the Pelicans winning this game I mean I think there is enough motivation on their side to you know continue to punk their big brothers so to speak or since that ad trade you know they've they're they've won three straight here last season average margin of victory 13 points per game and the biggest thing is lebron has been really inefficient with herb jones and his long long arms playing a huge role herb jones has a 102 defensive rating in those games lebron has nearly five turnovers to four and a half assists he's getting his points but the lakers offense as a whole really struggling against Willie Green's Pels with a 105 offensive rating. And again, this year, I don't know if you can trust the offense to have two good games in a row because they have the worst offense by far. Second worst is the Clippers, who, by the way, just scored 91 against the Pels in their last game. Yeah, not a lot of offense happening uh, in L.A. so far this year. Um, For this game, yeah, the the Pelicans have it pretty interesting profile where they're kind of a little more of an old school team in some senses, like not really um, as focused on three point shooting and really focused on getting to the rim, uh, which they do very well. And also um, 
dominating on the offensive glass. So I, I think when you look at a team like that, you're going to want um, some size on, on the other end. And the Lakers definitely do have that. So I, I think they don't match up horribly here. I'm a little bit interested in the Lakers. I, I do wonder about the over as well, uh, like you said, because uh, both of these teams should be getting to the rim a lot. And I don't think there's going to be a ton of resistance on the Pelicans end for sure. Uh, Valanchunas not known for his defense. Same for Zion. Um I do think the Lakers should be scoring some more points according to these shot charts I'm looking at. Uh, they have actually had one of the best shot profiles in the NBA as far as like what you should expect uh, the efficiency to be given where they're shooting from. But then it just makes you wonder like how much of that plays into the other team just allowing mediocre shooters to, t- to take open shots, I guess. Uh, but... Uh, their efficiency has been horrendous, but their ability to get decent shots has been pretty good. So you would think that at some point NBA players are going to make relatively open shots. Um, and yeah, the Pelicans, I don't see this team really doing much on defense. Generally, I think they are just more of a, an overs team because they're going to hit the boards hard. That's going to allow some fast breaks on the other end. Um, but yeah, they can hit the boards hard and, and turn it into points because they have guys like Zion and Valanchunas. I mean, these guys are just going to get easy buckets constantly, uh, off misses. So, um, yeah, overs, over is definitely an interesting play here. I would say. Yeah. The numbers indicate it's going to be pretty free flowing here. I mean, both teams, top 10 and fast break points. The Lakers are third, I believe. And then Pelicans defense, 18th in fast break allows, 17th in paint points allowed. On the other side of the ball, I mean, the Lakers, 5th in paint points. Um, Like I said, right now, like you said, they're dead last in effective field goal percentage, but that has nowhere to regress but up. And the Pelicans continuing to not really shoot threes, but – to hit them at a high percentage when they do, they're second in, at 40%. They're number one offensive rebounding rate. That is part of the reason they are 5-1 to one to the over here on the young season. Uh, both teams coming off two days rest also speaks well for the offense, right? I mean, with Zion, they average over 117 total. Uh, that's not just this year, the Pelicans, so... He is a lot of offense, you know, instant offense on his own here and not a ton of defense. Um, but I, I do still kind of lean towards the Pelicans until we see some sort of consistency from the Lakers. As we know, 18 and 26 at home last year against the spread were the Lakers and the Pels. When they're favored, 16 and 8 against the spread, winning by an average of 8 points per game. Minus 3 is not that tough for them to overcome. Uh when you look at if if the Lakers just we see that Nuggets win as just a spike game and then they turn right back into what they are which is what the worst jump shooting team in recent history it's just they they were just absolutely abysmal over their first five there before they finally found some success and if they do find success with Reeves and Lonnie Walker I mean that's just going to hurt their perimeter D right so I, I CJ McCollum and and the Pels come right back and we should get enough points to get over. So that is our first pick before the spread, I think. 
Yeah, Zion is definitely an overs player. I mean, he doesn't bring much on the defensive end. We know this. But with his rebounding, passing, and just the complete inability to be stopped once he gets within five feet of the basket, I mean, and the Lakers don't have a ton of muscle inside. I mean, especially if Anthony Davis were to not play, which I'm seeing he's questionable, but uh, who knows how that will go. Then they've really got nothing inside. Last year when Anthony Davis was out for a while, uh, I believe I remember them playing some LeBron at center lineups out there. Uh, These are going to just get torched on defense for obvious reasons, as great as LeBron is. Um, Yeah, so then then you'd really be expecting it over there. Just looking at the Hawks-Knicks real quick here. I mean, both teams coming off consecutive road losses. Both teams looking far worse on the road. I mean, the Hawks had some pretty notable home road splits last year. But, I mean, there's some growing pains with both teams, again, integrating a, do- a ball-dominant guard into Jonte Murray for Atlanta um, and, and then Jalen for the Knicks. I, I mean, the strength of schedule for the Knicks makes you lean, not not really trust them against any sort of good team. Atlanta's losses at Toronto and Milwaukee, I mean, and they still – lit it up offensively in those games. They just couldn't really handle the the size and athleticism of those two teams. I mean, their defense continues to be sieve-like. Uh, the key for me here is that they're good in terms of denying pain points uh, and, and, and not allowing much on the three-point line. And the Knicks, I mean, their biggest weakness, the Hawks, is allowing a ton of free throws. The Knicks are 29th in free throws made. They're first in pain points, so that's where they're scoring. And then on the other side of the ball, the Knicks, pretty poor three-point defense, uh, or pretty lucky, I'd say, so far. I mean, they're they're allowing, like like they always do under Tibbs, right, allowing the most three-point attempts. So far, sixth-worst mark from opponents, but we expected some regression from that last year. It hit like a brick. And Atlanta comes into this one hitting 12 threes at nearly 42% their last three. So I think that their margin from beyond the arc should be enough um, to pull out this win at, at New York. And we know what Trey Young usually does at MSG as well. Yeah, I like I like the under a little bit here, I think. Uh, seeing some 234s out there, I do think the Hawks line seems a tad high as well. Kind of seems like it should be more like a pick em here. I think plus two is a bit a bit much. But then again, like you said, New York does have a positive differential uh, and the Hawks don't. So they have a negative one so far. Uh, I just think when you look at a total of 234 and you're looking at two teams that have a pretty minimal amount of three-point attempts, um, surprisingly, uh, in Atlanta's case, they have taken – they're 30th in, in three-point shooting frequency, which is pretty crazy to say for a, a Trey Young team. And then the the Knicks don't profile as as a high uh, three-point team, and, and they've been they've been on the low end, unsurprisingly. They're 25th in in three-point rate there. So just when you're shooting a lot of twos, I think it's going to be hard to get to 234, I guess. So I, I know Atlanta's defense stinks. That was predictable. They've stunk in past years. That's just how it's going to be when Trey Young's a big part of your team. But uh, you hit the nail on the head with the Knicks' um, shot profile allowed, really. Uh, they just 
seem to be pretty lucky so far. Um, third lowest effective field goal percentage allowed, um, but their shot profile is like bottom 10. So they're allowing some pretty high value shots. So I, I guess that's likely to regress. Um, so I do like the Hawks in the under a bit here, uh, under more than Hawks, I think, but uh, wouldn't, wouldn't mind to play on either one of those. Uh, I'm definitely going to be in there on the under though. Yeah, I mean, I guess the total skewed because the Hawks, they've hit the over in five straight. They're allowing about 240. I mean, it's combining for 240 with their opponents in that span. And the Knicks offense has been far more efficient in the half court with Brunson. But if, if there's not a lot of trips to the free throw line, which I don't really see happening here for the Knicks, because again, um, that they just haven't gotten there consistently. There's not going to be a lot of fast break points. Atlanta is actually doing a, a really good job denying fast break points. They're ninth and three point percentage allowed. Uh, then, yeah, I think you get more of a bogged down game. And the reason I lean Atlanta more in a closer game, I mean, the Knicks are dead last in fourth quarter scoring right now. And both these teams just awful third and fourth worst defensive rebounding rate. That does make you a little nervous for the, um, the under, but I, I think Atlanta was was very much more consistent going under on the road last year, less explosive, able to get into these these grinded out games a little bit. And this is the fifth game of a five game road trip. I do kind of believe that they'll they'll pull it together and go home on a on a high note here. Then they get two days off. Like I mentioned, Trey Young and what he does against this team. He's you know his last time at MSG pulled out a six point win. The team shot 42% from three. Trey had 45 on 13 for 25 shooting. He averages 30 points, nine assists with a 121 offensive rating and is a plus 58 his last nine versus the Knicks. Now, that didn't lead to a lot of wins because the Hawks had like nothing around him in a lot of those games. I mean, some of those games are COVID games straight up and and nobody was out there. Uh, But the Hawks as you would expect, the non-tray minutes are going to be much better with DeJounte Murray and the ability to stagger there. They have snipers off the bench, the holiday bros now, even though you don't have bogey. Uh, so I think that they have a better second unit in terms of how they can exploit that Tibbs de- defense than in, in the past. And I think that that's why they'll be able to stay ahead here. Yeah, and just to, to piggyback off what you were saying uh, about as far as the undergoes, when you're looking at these teams, and you're expecting more of a half-court game. Uh, that's definitely what should be in the cards with these offenses. Um, we know New York's always going to play a little slower um, under Thibs. You know, he prefers to kind of play a little more of a grindy style. And Atlanta, they 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 are the third lowest turnover rate on offense, which is th- another thing that's just predictable year over year with this offense. Trey Young takes care of the ball, uh, and and the Knicks take care of the ball. They they have the sixth lowest turnover rate as well, so sh- shouldn't be a lot of runouts in this one. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books, all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines 
plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. I will lead it off here on a full Wednesday slate with Paul George against the Rockets. And man, this this was ugly when these two teams met. I mean, the Clippers' offense is, is abysmal uh, right now, but PG, even in that slop fest, had 35-9-8 on a 35% usage rate. His previous game, 39% usage, only got 14 points because he was facing Herb Jones and the Pelicans. But the Rockets, as we know, absolutely no resistance on defense. So his prop at 24.5 points, I like combining it with the assists, 29.5. He's just going to have the ball in his hands so much um, without Kawhi, who hasn't played since October 23rd. Uh, even if Kawhi plays, he's I mean, he's coming off the bench in limited minutes. So it's it's PG controlling the offense right now. Maybe his assist spiked because John Wall wasn't in in that previous game, and and now John Wall will be in there. But again, Clippers staggering their lineups. Like when it's the starters, it's PG getting that usage. You look at his numbers without Kawhi, it's a thirty five percent usage rate, up from twenty eight percent. He averages twenty five, up from twenty one, and gets five dimes a game. And then you combine that with the matchup you're looking at. Houston, a little bit less of a sieve than last year. 23rd defensive rating, ninth in pace. Still lying the sixth most dimes per game. Still the third most pain points, most fast break points, worst two-point percentage allowed. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, PG should should have another nice game against this team, even if we don't see either team break 100. Yeah, that would be my concern here, I, I guess, is, is what sort of a – scoring environment we're going to see in this game um that being said that usage jump is massive i mean that's really big so uh no no real surprise i guess but i honestly would have expected uh more reggie jackson at, by this point uh, i've been a little surprised uh he hasn't taken more control of the offense so if if that's going to continue uh then that's i guess a good thing for paul george's chances here playing way up in pace against it looks like the seventh fastest team here. We know the Clippers are always much more leaning toward a half court game. So that helps as well here. Uh, so I, I think not a spot where I would expect too much resistance from the Rockets for sure. Uh, just would be worried about a bit of a lower scoring game uh, just because the Clippers seem to find themselves in those in most cases so far this year. Yeah, I don't think Reggie Jackson's fully healthy either. I think he had an issue coming into the season and that yeah, John Wall's minutes being limited. So we saw even with 95 points, PG getting 35 of those that he's going to have huge usage. Uh, Mo tends to like unders when we do these videos. And I guess he's going under here in a Detroit Milwaukee game. And uh, why not? Yeah, this one... Uh little bit scary for sure, given how well Cade Cunningham's been playing. He's just basically putting up like LeBron-type numbers. Uh, you know, 25, 7, and 6 every time I look at the box score, I feel like. And and he just put it on the Bucks, uh last game, uh, 27, 6, and 7. Uh, but at the same time, when you are looking at the Bucks, you are looking at the best defense in the league so far. I think with the best defense in the league, they're not going to want to let that happen again. They're going to maybe adjust their coverages a little more to limit Cade and, and see what this Detroit supporting cast can do, which 
wouldn't we wouldn't expect it to be much right uh i don't think anybody would expect much out of them and and Cade's just been the engine that's keeping this team from losing by 50 every game basically i mean without Cade, this offense is just completely and utterly worthless uh so i i'm just basically this is more of like a mentality play where i just think okay this dude just put it on us we have the best defense like let's make someone else beat us this game. So looking at uh, numbers uh, right now, and it's um, there was some 22 and a halfs and some 21 and a halfs uh, for his points. It looks like it's came down in some spots. I'm seeing even a 20 and a half, but I, I like under 21 and a half with, uh, you know, not having to lay minus 140 basically on the under there. I'd much rather just see if they can fade one more point there and, yeah, I, I think under 21 and a half seems fine here. I mean, that's not that much lower than what he's averaging on the season. For me, this is kind of a bet on a double-digit win for the Bucks. I mean, because you see sharp money moving this up. They were plus 11, and the Pistons only lost by two two nights ago. But the expectation is the Bucks took them a little lightly, saw something, and now they'll just come out and drop the hammer. And then Cade doesn't play in the fourth quarter. Then you're sitting pretty... For the under. So, yeah, as you see that spread creep up, it does make sense. Um, he didn't, you know, get to 20 in any of his previous four games against the Bucks. 14, 19, 9, and 6. I mean, those, those 9 and 6 were early in his rookie year when he was still coming off the ankle injury and not playing like this kind of monster. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you have Drew Holiday, when you have Giannis options to put on him, I understand Feeling uh feeling pretty good about the under, uh, but I think you need a non-competitive game for him for him to not get there. Um, looking at the Sixers and Wizards here, I don't know what's up with Bradley Beal, man. I mean, he used to be aggressive. I, I is he just sitting on the laurels of his supermax? But he did get you know twenty five and six against Philly on Monday. He had a nice usage spike to twenty eight percent and only shot seven for eighteen against. What's not really a good defense. I I mean, they allow 22 points per game to shooting guards. They're 28th in two-point percentage, but fourth in paint points, which to me says they give it up in the mid-range whenever you want. Uh, So Beal, I think, should have success operating in between the three-point line and the bucket here. You look at, you know, before last season, he averaged 36 a game against Philly, dropped a 60-piece on them at one point. Uh, he's just been kind of light in terms of usage this season and last when last season he was injured. Uh, but when he's hit at least 27% usage rate, you look at versus Indy 31 points versus a great Cleveland defense, 27 points. So I like over on 20 and a half here. Uh, interesting. You can get minus 120 for him to just hit two threes, which he's done in three straight. And if you, if you want to throw in the peripheral stats, uh, 30 and a half points, rebounds, assists. I I think he'll be getting enough usage here uh, and it'll be close enough against the Sixers for him to hit, hit all those props. Man, it's just shocking to see a number this low next to Brad Beal's name. I just can't believe we're looking at numbers like 20 and a half on this guy. Uh, I believe he was close to leading the league in scoring a couple seasons ago. I mean, man. Yeah. But... It was him and Steph down the wire, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then you look at Philly, though, and this team, once again, playing at a glacial pace. No surprise there. But 
I think if Embiid's not playing, it's going up generally, going up quite a bit. Uh, more more maxi with the ball. Uh, we know Harden likes to play in the half court, but he doesn't mind getting out and running every now and then either. Um, and Philly, they they haven't been as good as you would have expected on defense so far. Uh, just sitting kind of in the middle of the pack in a lot of the metrics. Um, but yeah, Brad Beal, man, 26% usage. I mean, that is multiple percents lower than he's been the last few seasons. So I haven't looked too deep into the Wizards yet this year, so I'm not sure what's going on there. But he's generally been around 32 33%. So that's a pretty massive drop. And you're looking at a Washington team that honestly should rely more and more on him as he's you know in his prime and, and they're kind of shedding some other pieces in a lot of spots. But maybe having Monte Morris running the offense a little bit is is shifting him more into an off-ball role. Uh, but I guess I'm still surprised to see a number this low. So would definitely lean over uh, this low of a number, even against uh, Philly. I mean, 20 and a half is just not that many points for a guy like Brad Beal. Yeah, I mean, well, his individual matchup isn't going to be that tough against Harden or Maxi unless you know they give Melton big minutes off the bench. Uh, Kyle Kuzma is starting to slow down offensively, so that should you know lead to more usage for Beal. Close us out here, Mo, with your last prop. I mean, Digger and Fox not necessarily ruled out, but I don't think we expect him to play after leaving on Monday with the bone bruise. So how do you feel about Davion Mitchell? Yeah, unfortunate for my fantasy team because, uh, man, is De'Aaron Fox ever off to a blazing hot start this year? I mean, it's just unsurprising because, you know, this is a Kings team that can't stop anybody, but they do have some solid pieces on offense. Uh, same, basically, profile that they had last year. Uh, Davion Mitchell, basically, so he stepped into that last game. Fox, I think he only played nine minutes. Um, so they just basically threw Davion Mitchell in there and said, see what you can do. And he did it. He did it big time. Uh, 23 on nine for 11 shooting. Um, but I just don't see him really being ready for uh, a high usage role whatsoever. I mean, his previous scoring high for the season was seven points. Uh, he really struggled last year. Very, very inefficient season on offense. Um, playing down in pace against Miami, 24th in pace there. Um, I, I think the market is basically just expecting. So I would just throw out there, yeah, but market definitely not expecting Fox to play. Okay, because Davion uh, props just hit the market like less than an hour ago. Um, 15 and a half. That is not going to be the line, obviously, ever if De'Aaron Fox is playing. So I think basically the market is just plugging him in as a starter and thinking he's going to kind of use up a lot of the usage that Fox did. I mean, not to a full 100%. He's taking all of Fox's shots level, but, um, and they're going to expect something like what happened last game, but I just don't. Um, Davion has not been a good offensive player. He has not been able to sustain any sort of high usage role. He's only got a 20% usage rate this year. A uh, lot of turnovers, very inefficient, not a good scorer last year, although he's been a bit better so far this year. It's still early, very small sample. I, I'm guessing that nine of 11 was basically an outlier is what I'm saying. So uh, under 15 and a half, it's a bit uh, juiced to the under, unfortunately, but I still think 
we should not expect 15 plus points here. I mean, this is not a, a player who's just going to step in and, and just take the wheels of the offense and roll. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, he's known for his defense, right? And you saw that initial spike you see from some guys when they get their shot, um, come out and show what they can do, but this is not the matchup for him to just show what he can do offensively. Uh, Miami's numbers are skewed right now against point guards because they played Steph twice, but perennially one of the toughest teams to beat from the point guard position. Um, And they're at home here against the Kings team that they lost to already. So that is a a risk uh, in terms of the Kings not necessarily being competitive. Miami, is really, really good at home, really good defensively. So I'm on board with that. Uh, love Mo bring, coming on, bringing us some unders with his uh, Grinch hat and hoping for the Phillies to, to send the Astros home here over the next couple of days, perhaps. But that is all the time we have for you on the NBA show today. Please come back every single weekday. We have these three videos. And until we see you next, happy betting.